Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The 12 books of history in the Old Testament occupy a unique portion in the Holy Scriptures. They give us the story of God's chosen race, Israel, in some of their most glorious times, as well as show us the degradation and fall of God's people to their lowest condition, overtaken by idolatry and the hardness of their hearts. Ten of these books deal almost exclusively with Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. But the two books of Chronicles show us not only God's move within the history of Israel, but also his move within the history of the entire human race. To fully understand the burden and get into the heart of these books, we need what the Apostle Paul prayed for in Ephesians, and that is a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened that we could see how these are not just books of history, but how these books are books of types and pictures that can more clearly reveal to us the very center of God's heart's desire, His eternal economy, which is fully centered and focused on the excellent Christ. Bob Danker has joined us for our first program from First Chronicles. Good to have you, Bob. It's good to be back with you, Chris. Uh, interesting books, Bob. I was... Uh considering whether to open the program today with a reading from First Chronicles. We'll read a little bit there in a moment. The first seven, maybe eight chapters, something like that, of First Chronicles are a long genealogy, aren't they? That's right. You would be tempted to skip over these first, actually it's nine chapters of nine genealogy. Chapters. Wow. One name after another, and many names hard to pronounce. But there is a real significance to this fact. And whenever we read the Bible, we need to see beneath the surface. We need, as you said, Chris, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we need the eyes of our heart to be enlightened so that we could see this intrinsic meaning and significance of everything that is contained in this book. We should not approach the Bible with our natural Mm -hmm. understanding or look at the Bible according to our own tastes or preferences. We should come to this book as God's revelation which certainly has something profound to reveal to us. Bob, I uh, have selected a couple of verses from the New Testament from Paul. We just referred to him in uh, Ephesians, praying for our condition, that our eyes would be enlightened and that our spirit would be a a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He also said in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, I think something which is very appropriate as we uh, begin this life study of 1 Chronicles, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself unto the economy of the fullness of the times to head up all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him. Witnessly will make a reference to uh, this kind of thought, won't he, as he prepares us for the life study of Chronicles. That's right, Chris. The, I would say, unique thing about Witness Lee's ministry is that it brings us into a view of God's economy. 
And uh, we'll see this in this upcoming portion, how even the book of Chronicles and even the beginning of such a book with nine chapters of genealogy is related to the economy of God. All right, why don't we join him for uh, the first portion, and then we will come back to fellowship uh, shortly. The Bible actually only tells us one thing. That is God's eternal economy made according to God's good pleasure of his heart's desire. Only one thing. You think about it. Our God is too great. Surely he must have some good pleasure. Based upon his good pleasure, he made an eternal economy. The uh, reality, the center, and the goal is the all-inclusive and excellent Christ. Don't think the Bible is for anything else. No, the Bible is only for this one thing. And the Bible is arranged in two sections. The first section is the section of pictures accompanied with prophecies. We call them types. Now, when we come to the Old Testament, especially the history books, we should not be distracted by the history. Then why should you pay attention to this? Old Testament history books, well, don't forget the entire Bible is for God's economy with Christ as the reality, the center, and the goal. So, in all these 12 books, in every chapter, in every case, you must pray and seek the proper interpretation of all these prophecies, of all these types. This is what we are doing here. Bob, we've made this point on a number of occasions in the past, but I think it's appropriate to make it again as as we begin another life study from another Old Testament book, particularly a book of history. Our focus here is not so much the history, and I think our listeners will pick that up in almost every program. We're not really focusing on these items of the history per se, but in every case, there's something more intrinsic. There is something that is touching this matter of God's good pleasure, which uh, results in his eternal economy. And this is really our focus, isn't it? It is, Chris. The history in the books of the Old Testament really show us God's move in man's history. Apparently, it is man's history, but actually it is God's moving Mm. in the history of man so that he can accomplish that which is his heart's desire, his good pleasure. And he has a purpose. He has a plan. He has an economy. He has an arrangement in order to carry out his good pleasure. And we can see this in every book of the entire Bible. Actually, the entire Bible speaks only about this one thing, 
that is, God's eternal economy, which he made in eternity past, according to the good pleasure of his heart, and which he carries out in time in the history of mankind, Mm. beginning from the first generation of man in the book of Genesis, continuing all the way through the history of his people Israel, and then in the New Testament, at the very beginning, this God who has a purpose and a desire becomes a man through incarnation. Then he continues to move, not just with man or among men, but he moves in man to accomplish what his heart desires. This is the the Bible, the whole Bible mm. is for this one thing. Wow. And I think that that... Uh maybe more than anything else, is a very good summary of why the Bible became such an open book to Witness Lee, because he brought this perspective eventually after so many years. What was he? 70 plus years studying the Bible daily, aggressively, faithfully. And eventually he learned to just drop everything other than this kind of one focused view. And in so doing, it seemed like it didn't matter what page, what chapter, what topic, he found Christ in God's economy in the entire book, didn't he? That's right. You could say he discovered the key that unlocks the whole Bible, and he became very skillful in using this key in every single book to show us something more concerning God's economy and concerning Christ, who is the reality, the center, and the goal of this economy. Actually, you could say on one hand, the Bible is a book that concerns God's eternal economy. On the other hand, you could say the Bible is a book that concerns Christ Mm -hmm. as the center and as the goal of this economy. That is not to say that he was not a very careful and specific reader and student of the Bible. And I think that will be borne out in this coming section. As we consider this group of books of the Old Testament, the books of history, 12 in total, he realized that all of these books, except these two books of First and Second Chronicles, which were really one book in the Old Testament time, but except for these two, the other 10 deal almost entirely with the history of Israel. Yet Chronicles, from the very beginning, goes back all the way to Adam. Uh, in fact, that first verse in the first chapter just says, Adam, Seth, Enosh. That's it. That's First Chronicles 1.1, and those are the first three generations of human history, aren't they? That's right, Chris. All right, then that is not lost on uh, Witness Lee. It's not lost on our life study of Chronicles. Why do Chronicles go back to the beginning and not deal just with the history of Israel? We'll find out. Here's Witness Lee once more. Chronicles, central thought, is to give us a full chronology of God's move in man's history. Have you ever heard such a phrase? Do you believe today that in such a turmoil situation of the world and of mankind, God still moves in it? Well, why is God moving today? And today, how he moves and where he moves and uh, to whom or in whom he moves. Quite interesting. God's move is in man's history. In Adam's history, God moved. In Abel's history, God moved. 
This is on the positive side. Even on the negative side, in Cain, God moves. Chronicles first tells us God's move in man's history to prepare the way for God to carry out his eternal economy. All the problems on this earth are waiting for this one thing, for a good member of man becoming the God-man. We better pray that the Lord will give us a new revival. A revival which has never been in the history. Something new. This is in God's heart. Uh, Bob, I appreciate that he uh, brings us all the way back to the beginning of the history of mankind here. And he makes this statement that the history of God moving in man is to prepare the way for him to carry out his economy. What is he really getting at here? Well, yes, Chris. Actually, the entire history in the Old Testament, beginning from Adam and running all the way up to the end of the Old Testament history, is really a time of preparation. When God is moving, Mm -hmm. he's making preparations. The real accomplishing of God's economy begins in the New Testament when God is incarnated to become a man by the name of Jesus. This is the first step that God takes to actually accomplish his economy to obtain what he desires in his heart. So the entire Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi, is a time of preparation, a history of God's move in the history of man to prepare for Mm -hmm. his coming Mm -hmm. to be a man. If we look at the Bible in this way, especially the Old Testament, then we will realize that as we read through the Old Testament books, God is taking step after step to prepare the way for himself to enter into the human race to become a man by the name of Jesus. And then he goes on from that point to carry out what he desires by also entering into many men, all the believers in Christ, to make them his sons, to make them the God-men who can become his corporate expression. This is the actual accomplishing of his economy. But the Old Testament is a time of preparation. I wanted to ask you about this point that you just mentioned. Uh, He said something like all the problems of the earth are waiting for this as the solution. And then he makes reference to this matter of God waiting for those to become the God-men. And that what is in the Lord's heart today is this a desire for this new revival. And by that, we're not talking about just a revival where we would have a lot of kind of gospel meetings and a lot of people would be introduced to the Lord Jesus for the first time and receive him as their Savior. Of course, that's a part of it. But that's not the kind of revival he's really pointing our eyes towards here, is it? That's right. He talks about a new revival that has never been seen in human history. And this revival involves many of God's chosen people who have believed in Christ and have received him, growing in his life and living the life of a God-man on this earth, a life like the life that Jesus himself lived. Jesus was the first God-man, and we, the believers in him, are the many God-men. So the revival that God needs today is not a revival of gospel preaching, but a revival of the God-man living, 
the living of the life of a God-man by many, many of the believers in Christ on this earth today. Just to refresh our listeners, can you give us something specifically from the New Testament that would show us that this is a possibility, that we humans, mortals, that have been uh, regenerated with the life of God, whereby we can have this kind of living in our daily Christian life? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Chris. Actually, when we look at the human life of Jesus in the four Gospels, if we really enter into the intrinsic significance of this life, this life is nothing less than God living in man and man living out God. Mm -hmm. God and man living together, you could say a mingled life, a life in which they are organically united and are one. They're living, one living, God and man living together, one life and one living. Well, you know, we can see this in Jesus, but what about us? You right, know? right. I think that's your point, right? Exactly. But actually, we do have something quite encouraging in the New Testament, and that is with the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul told the believers that he was the chief sinner, but through the grace of the Lord, through his enjoyment of God's grace, he could live a life that was actually Christ living in him. And in one place, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the first part, he said, For to me, to live is Christ. So Christ was living in Paul, and Paul was living Christ. Christ and Paul were living one life with one living. They were just one, living together on this earth. And this is an encouragement to all of us, because if God can do this with such a one as the Apostle Paul— then there's hope for us as well. I'm also reminded of a point we touched in our last program on Friday as we concluded the life study of Kings. Ed Marks was here. We had quite an enjoyable time. But in that program, Witness Lee mentions Romans 5.17, and I think it would fit almost to help answer my own question. As you were speaking about Philippians, I also thought of this passage, for if by the offense of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. This is talking about having a life on earth today, not after the Lord comes, but even today where there's a kind of a reigning going on in the divine life and in the gift of righteousness and in the grace of Christ, a kind of a reigning over our circumstances, our environment, and all the things that tend to pull us down. This is the same thought, isn't it? It is, Chris. It's not that we can live the God-man life by our own effort. We live the God-man life as we enjoy and receive the abundance of God's grace, which is just Christ himself in our spirit, to be our life and our life supply, to be our enjoyment, to be everything to us. Right. The more we enjoy Christ, the more we will spontaneously live the life of a God-man, and this will bring in a revival that has never been seen in human history. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verse 4, to be holy and without blemish before him in love. This is our spiritual destiny, isn't it, Bob? It is, Chris. All right, Witness Lee will touch this. this is a marvelous point in our last section. The central point of view in the two Samuels and the two kings is the chosen race of God. But in the two chronicles, it is the entire race of mankind. Don't think... God only thought about Israel 
at least I am not an Israel. God saw about me. He turned him past. Before the foundation were, God saw me. A poor Chinese. They're saying, didn't God think about you? Ephesians 1 tells us, we all were children by God before the foundation of the world. So, in the two chronicles, it is the entire race of mankind. This needs a lineage, a continuation, not from Samuel, but from Adam, the first generation of mankind to Christ, which corresponds with the genealogy of Christ as recorded in Luke 3, not as presented in Matthew 1. Matthew 1 is short. Matthew 1's view is too narrow, only concerning Israel. But Luke's view is broad. That concerns the entire mankind. This is a strong evidence that the coming Christ as the embodiment of God is not only for the one race chosen by God, but for the entire human race created by God. Hallelujah, at least God chosen me, the Gentile. Too many Gentiles here. An interesting point, Bob, that uh, fits also here in our study, our, our consideration of Chronicles. Two genealogies in the New Testament of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew, of course, the genealogy begins with Abraham and comes forward to the time of Christ, to Jesus himself. But in Luke, it starts with Jesus and works backwards all the way to Adam, doesn't it? That's right. This is quite an unusual and wonderful thing. Actually, in Chronicles, the genealogy begins from Adam and right. goes forward. And actually, the books of Chronicles really contain, starting with the genealogy, the history of mankind from Adam all the way to the return from captivity, mm. which really is the history of the entire Old Testament as far as the Bible is concerned. That's right. And this history is a preparation for the coming incarnation of Christ, which shows that all of human history leads us to Christ, and Christ is related to all of human history, not just the history of God's chosen people, Israel, but the history of the entire human race created by God. So Christ is not only for Israel, but he is for all the human race, and that's, of course, proven by us. Here we are, uh, believers in Christ, members of Christ, part of Christ. We've been joined to this Christ. And uh, so many millions of Gentiles have been joined to Christ as well as God's people, Israel. This is a marvelous thing that we have such a relationship with Christ. I appreciate also how he points out that at the Lord's return, the Lord's coming, he will be uh, not just focused on Israel. Of course, Israel plays a big part in the events at the end time, but his coming is really for all of mankind, isn't it? Absolutely, Chris. Bob, good beginning. I think we got calibrated in a in a very healthy way here as we begin this life study of Chronicles. Uh, of course, this was one of the last life studies in Witness Lee's uh, ministry. Uh, near the end of his life, he was uh, about 90 years old when he 
uh, spoke these messages, and that's evidenced by the uh, you know the weak voice. He sounds like I have been the last few days with this cold I've had. Um, but we'll try to keep these portions of his uh, short and very clear and uh, really get to the gems and then try to develop the points uh, best we can in this fellowship. So I look forward to your being able to participate in a number of these programs in Chronicles, Bob. I also look forward to that, Chris. Okay, we hope you would contact us. It's a good time right now to order the life study of First uh, and Second Chronicles. And there are some other life studies or some other books included in this volume. If you will contact us, our toll-free number, we can get that off to you right away. It is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can also contact us through email. Simply address it to radio at lsm.org. And we'll be back tomorrow as we begin this life study of First Chronicles. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. 